Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have George Saroy, who is an author, podcaster, and audiobook narrator. George, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Tim. How about yourself? I'm fantastic, man. Thanks so much for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Oh, for fun these days. Wow. It's <laughs> um, well, I am uh uh, an international best-selling author. Um, I am uh, the author of a young adult science fiction trilogy called Excelsior. Um, Thrill of the Excelsior Journey is the name of the, the whole thing. Um, parts one and two are currently being set up with a new publisher, and part three is in development. Uh, I've also written a five-part science fiction sports serial called From Parts Unknown, and that has that was its own saga, putting that together, just as Excelsior is. Uh, I've been an audiobook narrator since 2016. I've narrated over 15 books so far. Um, and my first nonfiction called Anger is Your Compass just came out last month uh, by a gentleman named Mo, uh, Moshe Ratson. Uh, it was a really great book and a very good self-help book, really uh, very, very informative and and. Uh, very inspiring as well. Um, and I am also a podcaster. I've been podcasting since 2016. I've had my own show since 2018. It's called Excelsior Journeys, inspired by the books. And it's a weekly podcast where I am interviewing different uh, different creative people of all types and allowing them a platform to kind of share their journey to success. I've also done a, a second podcast called from duck till dark outside the marvel studios and it's uh, a look a look at all of the marvel movies that are not part of the marvel cinematic universe and i am the co-founder of the once upon a podcast network which is a creative centric um network that has about seven shows as of right now with more on its way and they're all about inspiring, motivating, celebrating, educating, and rejuvenating creatives of all types. Hmm. I love it. Yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, just a few, just a few. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, um, how do audiobook readers, narrators get paid? Like, is it a commission of the royalties? Is it a flat fee, hourly rate? Well, there's, there are a couple of different ways to do it. One of them is for those that are really kind of starting out and really want to get their portfolio built up, they'll take part in what's called a royalty share. And that's something that um, that ACX, which is called the Audiobook Cre Creation Exchange, does on uh, as, a, as an option for people to get paid. And basically what that means is, it, since it's uh, mainly done on Amazon, but there are a couple other places that do it as well, but looking at uh, going by the Amazon setup, Amazon takes sixty percent of the cut from the from the audiobook narrator, uh, well from the from the author, and forty percent go to the rights holder, whether that's the author or publisher or whatever. And if you're doing a royalty share, 
then that 40% gets split in half. So 20% goes to the rights holder, 20% goes to the audiobook producer. And, but then there are what I, what I've been doing right now, I've done a few, a few different royalty share books, but it's gotten to a point where I just, I couldn't afford to keep doing it like that. So I had to jump in with both feet and go for the, the paid in full setup. And basically what they do is it's called uh, PFH per finished hour. And what that means is that what, however long it takes for you to narrate um, what would wind up being an hour's worth of recording that the listener is hearing that it, it doesn't matter how long it takes to get that first hour. What you're getting paid for is that finished hour. So you want to make sure that you're getting it. You, you don't want to waste too much time on it. You want to make sure you're getting it right. You want to make sure you're getting it good. And whatever amount you are, you have set for that per finished hour rate, that's how much you're getting per finished hour. So case in point, the one of, one of my books that I did for my own book, I will say uh, Forever Upward, which is part two in the Excelsior journey. That took, uh, that's that finished book is about 10 hours worth. So if I were to pay myself, then I would get paid what my normal rate is currently, which is $250 per finished hour. And so I would get paid, you know, 250 times 10. And in my case, when I'm doing them independently, when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with the author, I do have to add an extra charge on there because I'm also doing the editing. So you're not just getting an audiobook narrator from me. You're getting an audiobook narrator and an editor and a mixer. So it's my responsibility to deliver a finished product that I believe will be worth the listener's time. They're going to be, I've always said that a, a listener gets to hear me whisper sweet nothings in their ear for about 10 hours. So I got to make sure that those 10 hours are worth it or worth their time. Yeah. So. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Really interesting. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. And so I feel like some audiobook narrators like mm -hmm. have good intonation when they read and they mm -hmm. can read it kind of how the author wrote it. I feel like that requires a read through or two to kind of know where to fix your tone and do this and do that. Is all that like, is it just a raw one time through reading out loud or how's that work? I, I myself like to, I want to make sure that I read it as much as possible beforehand. Um, I also don't want to keep the, the author waiting too long. Um, I know that I'm currently on a project right now that's gone through quite a few delays and that's been a matter of me being ill for a period of time and not having a voice at all. Um, and also other couple other projects kind of push their way ahead. And so it's, it's been, it, it's been difficult trying to, trying to get the rhythm, get the real momentum going for this book, but it's getting done. And I'm proud to say that. Um, but it does, you know, when, when you're working one-on-one -on -one with authors, it's a lot easier to, to deal with those, with those setbacks as they come. Yeah. Um, there are other times when you're working with the company and there's a hard deadline. You have to, you have to deliver 
that finished period of time, like right then and there. So what I generally like to do is I like to re, you know, give a good quick read through chapter by chapter as I go. So, um, so I'll do, you know, like, uh, I'll read through the chapter. If there's something that I'm not quite 100% set on in terms of word pronunciation, then I'll look it up or I'll, I'll ask, you know, what the, what the best way is for, for this particular word to be pronounced. Um, there was a, there was uh one of my, one of my favorite examples was working on working with the first of what would eventually be six different stories that I've done for the same author. Um, there is a period in there where the main character just rolls off his tongue, like the genus species names of all these different types of insects and animals. And I had to make sure that not only could I pronounce them, but that I could allow them to just roll off my tongue because this is something that this character basically learns as a hobby. So it's something that, you know, he can immediately just say, Oh, this is, you know, the beetle or then, you know, like this. And so I had to keep that momentum going and make sure that I was getting it right and getting it, to sound like it was a natural word for me to say. That's one of those things that it's one of those things that is a very, it's a difficult part of being an audiobook narrator to try to get those parts right. And I, I'll admit, you know, that I've not gotten them right the first time, you know, like in a lot of cases, and I would have to go back and um, adjust the pronunciation in the touch-ups after delivering the full chapters so it's it can be it can be a difficult job at times but at the same time i do love it because Uh there the author is entrusting me with bringing their books to life and i don't take that lightly and i i do it because i love it so yeah yeah i got you that's cool man Oh, yeah. Like you're not paid enough, but it is cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think they're um, you know, from from what from what I've made and everything, I I can't complain. It's it's provided a good solid supplementary income, in addition to the full time job. So, yeah. yeah. Oh man, if you're working a full time job too, that that is a good supplementary income right there. Yes. <laughs> it's a good supplementary income, but at the same time, like it's it's one of those things where you really have to make sure that it works with your schedule because in, in my case, you know, as a husband and a father, I got to make sure that I'm always there. And so that part of it can be, can be grueling at times. But again, just the fact that someone out there is paying me to do what I love and it's, it's giving me that sort of wonderful creative outlet and just looking at the amount of books that I've done so far, I'm very, very grateful that they've yeah. given me that opportunity. Yeah, no, that's epic. Hey, if you love to do it and you're getting paid to do it, that's great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, tell I've me gotten t- to do a lot of different types too. You know, it's, it's been wild. You know, yeah. Working on so many different genres. It's been fun. Yeah. 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 
Well, tell me a bit more about your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going every day? Uh, part of it is a, a big part of it now, you know, like more than anything is my daughter. Um, you know, she, you know, I, I want her at the end of the day to be proud of, be proud of me. And I want to make sure that I am showing her that I am able to do what I need to do and do what I want to do and still be there for them, for my daughter and my wife and be able to provide as much as I can for them. And if, at the end of the day, they realize that, and they do, and I'm and I'm grateful that they do. Then it's all worth it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, but um, but it's also it's something that I've always loved to do. Um, it's something that I've wanted to be involved in voice acting ever since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I studied theater in college, and it was a means is it was basically a, a great means for me to to scratch that creative itch and even though during my time after college my passions went more toward writing than acting i still get to be acting i still get to do something that i enjoyed doing back in college and when i had the opportunity to to act or be a public speaker or give a presentation or something like that. It's, it's, it's always a blast. And it's something that I am truly grateful for. I love it. Well, cool, man. Let's jump into your dreams and goals. Tell us about your vision for all the books you're writing, all the podcasts you're doing, the businesses and your life. Um, the, the goal really is to be able to do all of my creative outlets on a full-time basis. Um, I love my full-time job. I'm very grateful to um, to my boss for giving me this opportunity to to do what I do. Um, and at, but at the same time, I know that they're not going to be there forever. Yep. So I really love all the other outlets that I'm doing. I love podcasting. I've been doing it for since 2016. When I was asked to guest on a roundtable podcast show with a with a group of other authors from St. Louis, which is where, where I live now, and right after that episode, I was invited to be a part of that roundtable mm. full time. So it just it just started just like that, and it was a very basic show that was a lot of fun to do. And it was you you get to hang out with your peers, other authors, and you get to talk about some real good, meaningful topics. Yeah. And doing all of that and being a part of it and watching the producer really kind of navigate everyone, because it's a tough job when there's almost 10 of us trying to keep a conversation going, but also make sure that everyone's not overlapping on top of each other. And just watch him just directing traffic as he as he was. And it was it was wild to see. And it made me think that it would be a lot of fun to be able to do that myself, to have my own show. And I just kind of felt that bug bite me during that point. And it was 
doing that and then looking at my group of Facebook friends and seeing people that I've been through all walks of life with from grade school all the way to the present and with a lot of friends that I haven't yet met and other friends that I've spent more than half my life knowing and seeing how everyone was so creative. Everyone was pursuing their passions in all these different ways. And that had me thinking that, wow, these are, everyone is really pursuing their dreams and making their creative visions come true. That's something that needs to be celebrated. All these people, they need to be on a podcast. They need to let people know who they are, let people know what they're working on, let people know that there is an audience waiting for them. And after a few months, it became, okay, these people need to be on my podcast. And then that's when everything really started to move in that direction. And um, and all credit to the producer of the roundtable show, Right Pack Radio, David Allen Lucas, for giving me the name of the show, for inspiring the name of the show and making me realize that I already had a brand name really baked in with the Excelsior Journey. And he just said, why not call it the Excelsior Journey? And I said, well, that sounds really good. Let's just, let me just tweak it. I'll call it Excelsior Journeys since everyone has their own. Yeah. And it just kind of steamrolled from there. And then it just became this really fun one-on-one -on -one conversation with all these different creative people. And it's been, it's this, this October, it'll be five years that I've done the show. And I just aired, um, we're, we're doing this on a, on Wednesday, the day before on Tuesday was when episode 200 of the show went live. And so it's been, it's been a blast. Um, Amazing. and then, uh, be, and then working with some great people on the once upon a podcast network and seeing a handful of really creative people try out podcasting and see how they like it. And with each episode, they're just getting better and better and better. And they're getting more used to the format and really enjoying the medium itself. And that in itself is, is wonderfully inspiring as well, because it's, I, I remembered that same sort of feeling when they were, when I was just starting off and getting my getting myself acclimated into doing my own show and here they are doing their shows and they're really you can hear it in their voices their enthusiasm for this medium and their this format they're having a blast doing this and i want to keep cultivating that i want that to just keep going for them and eventually we're going to be moving into sponsorships and other forms of monetization. And that's something that we're looking at right now to really kind of expand our, our brand really. Um, and so between that and the, um, and the other big thing that, that happened this year was um, the book Excelsior uh, became, I was able to adapt it into an audio drama. And so that in itself was its own, its own saga. And getting to hear 25 different people bringing these characters to life that I've known for so long and 
they and they did such a tremendous job on it too. And so it's it's been a wild year. 2023 has been a really wild year. And I am with the launch of the network, with the audio drama, with the podcast reaching 200 episodes, with the three book deal that I've signed with this other publisher. Things just keep on, they're building yeah. towards something. That's the way that I look at it. It's just like everything is just building towards something. And I'm not sure what it is yet, but I just have to keep on getting these, I guess, you know, for, you know, for lack of a better term, Lego bricks, just one thing on top of the other and keep that tower going because it's going towards something. I just don't know what it is yet. I gotcha. I gotcha. So you want to be able to do all your creative outlets on a full-time basis. And recently you've seen the bricks just kind of stacking towards that yeah. point where you, your income from the creative outlets basically going to replace the W2. Well, it's, it's not there yet, <laughs> but, but it's uh, building, it's building, it's building, it's building. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was saying that um, to a friend of mine that um, I'm finishing up this one audiobook, which is a biblical epic. And I'm looking for I'm looking forward to delivering that finished product to the author because he's liking what what he's hearing so far. And that's always a great thing. And then right after that, I have another one that I'm slated to do. But once I'm finished with them, I have to take a break from audiobook narrating for a while because I have to finish part three of this book trilogy. So that way I can deliver that for my publisher and then we can go. Then we can go from there. George, I have a question. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the book Buy Then Build? Buy Then Build? Mm -hmm. No. Good book. Good book. You should check it out. And then mm -hmm. my next question is, have you are there are there businesses that have a bunch of people who read audiobooks on their behalf and they broker the deals? Like could you get a salary job as an audiobook narrator and could you go buy a company? that has multiple narrators narrating on their behalf and you like run that company. Like, could that happen? Are there companies like that? Well, I'm actually part of a roster of audiobook narrators um, and on uh, with a couple of, couple of different places. And one of them is with this great company called audio sorceress and uh, a wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, Marnie young runs the uh, runs audio sorceress. And basically what she does is, when she gets the book submitted to her, she will basically just, you know, give it a look over. She'll see like what they have in mind. She'll interview the author. And then she'll say, okay, well, based on your specifications on what you want, whether it's a, a male narrator with a, with this kind of accent, with this kind of age range to their voice, then it sounds like it would be either this, 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 or this, you know, different people. And then those people are invited to audition. And that's what happened to me with this nonfiction book that I did for her because um, she basically just said that, you know, we have the narrator has your kind of voice in mind. So can you provide, can you um, do a little audition, read this? I think it was um, a page worth of, of text that I had to read. And, and then she gets a cut. I did it. Well, yeah, it's her company, you know, yeah, yeah. but, um, but she, but, you know, she's also paying the, she's also paying the editor and the, you know, the, and the mixer, you know, to put all that together. So that's, 
one of the one of the advantages of working with Marnie is that all I have to do is narrate and use the tactic that's called punch and roll, which is basically you're editing as you go. You're getting to a mistake and then you hit you know, hit a spot where you messed up. You use the function that you have on your computer on your on your digital audio workspace. I use Audacity for mine, and I highly recommend that to really anyone. I have I have a blast using it. User friendly and free. It's always always a nice bonus. And I use the punch and roll plugin that they have. And what it does is it it erases the mistake and it also takes you back about eight seconds. So you can listen to the cadence and the tone and then pick right up where you left off. It's a great tool. And it's something that I've only recently started using on a regular basis in the past year. And I still can't believe that it took me this long to do it because it is a godsend when it comes to editing. Editing is a slog when you are, when you're basically like just marking your mistakes by putting a little snap into the microphone, you can see that little snap on the soundtrack. And then just using that as your guide to do all the editing, so tedious. Yep. So I'm so glad that I've discovered punch and roll. And I'm just like, where has this been all my life? Oh, it's always been there. I was just too too dumb to use it. So, yeah. so now, now that I'm using it, I feel so much better about myself. So. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. That's epic, man. Well, good to know that there are businesses out there like that. Go ahead and oh, read, yeah. read, buy, then build, mm-hmm. and then think about what they call a platform acquisition. I think mm. you might uh, like the idea of it. I don't know how how risk tolerant are you? Are you like I don't like risk at all? Or are you like, yeah, um, risk? <laughs> I'm kind. I'm kind of averse to it. Uh, okay. I you know like I want to say you know like there are times when I will take a chance. But I can't really call that me like, you know, saying like, yeah, let's do this, because when those chances came, I didn't have a choice. I had to take it. So it was it was me last year, all of a sudden not having my full time job anymore. And in October with the you know, with with the holiday season coming up and everything and me just basically saying I have some commissions lined up for some audiobooks. I think I can, for the time being, just do the audiobooks and still sustain enough money to keep our income going. And sure enough, we were able to make it happen. It took a, it, you know, it was rough at times, but from October through January, we were able to make that happen. And yeah. then it just so happened that. Um, there was one place that was hiring and it seemed like it would be a good fit. I went in for an interview. I did the second interview where I was shadowing a couple of people. And then two days later I was offered the job and I'm still there. So I'm just very grateful for that. So, um, yeah, so that's, so I, I can't say I'm a big risk taker. Um, but it's something that, you know, just kind of had in the back of my mind, just feel like once if something like that were to happen again, then I know what I need to do in order to make the sudden shift in everything a little less painful. Part of me, part of me believes, and I know this is going to sound crazy. Mm-hmm. I think buying a business 
that is of a certain revenue, probably mm -hmm. over $1 million in EBITDA, yeah. is actually less risky than working a full-time job. <laughs> really? I, I do think so. Yeah. Like the default rate on those loans, like the SBA gives out loans. So you could buy a million dollar business. You could buy a business. This is what blows my mind, George. You could buy a business that brings you a million dollars a year, like mm -hmm. to your pocket. Yeah. Or probably two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Then of course you have to pay the debt service with about 60, 50 to 60% of that income. So you're doing 400 K take home and then you have to mm -hmm. run a business too. So you probably pay yourself a salary of 100 and spend 300 of it to grow the business. Still a six right. figure salary and you're, you own an asset that's going to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, the default rate on those loans is like less than 3% or something. Wow. Like because the SBA loves to lend on these businesses because they know these businesses are pretty stable. And the other thing I realized is that if we think our jobs are stable, imagine how stable we must believe the businesses that we're placing our job in are, right? Mm -hmm. And so if a business hits a million dollars in EBITDA or more, it is in the top 4% of businesses in America. Wow. And so you can buy into the top 4% of businesses in America. And I'm like, that's a pretty stable system to buy, especially yeah. if it's been around for 15, 20 years. So you should check out Buy Them Build. I'm not saying you should buy a business in the next six months, but I'm saying yeah. you could <laughs> if you wanted to. If I wanted to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just I got me. nothing better to do. It's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just a little free time on Saturday morning. Right. <laughs> uh, but cool, man. So do all uh, make all of your creative outlets to the point where you can do them on a full-time basis. Any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? Um, really just – you know, obviously seeing my, seeing my work, uh, the books that I've, that I've done, um, Excelsior, um, from parts unknown would love to see them both on a big screen. Yep. Um, getting, getting the opportunity to turn Excelsior into an audio drama was the closest thing I'll, I'll, I'll have to that for now. Yeah. Um, but I am, but I, I was given the green light to start adapting part two into an audio drama because it went over so well. Um, and that is definitely on my list of things, but uh, that list is is pretty vast right now. So it's something that I would love to do. And at the same time, I still need to get part three done for the actual book. And then I can focus on turning that into an audio drama once that's done, because I was given the green light to do the whole trilogy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, Get it, but you know, seeing seeing that happen, seeing those characters get translated to a different medium, it's something that I challenge all writers to do. Because when you are adapting your own work into something, into a different medium, with the limitations that come with that medium, you're being forced to be creative and you're forced to look at your work in a different way. You cannot just have just you cannot just cut the the cut out the dialogue from everything from your whole book, put it on a different document and say, here it is. Here's an audio drama. It's not going to work that way because yeah. you're likely going to have a time limit and you're also going to have a limited amount of actors to work with. And that in itself creates creates its own thing. 
So you want to make sure that, um, that you're able to work within your limitations and you're also able to um, to make the make the hard choices, cut thing, cut, you know, like they um, they always say, I believe, you know, Stephen King said, kill all your darlings. And I say, be prepared to kill off all your darlings. You don't have to kill them all. You don't want to kill everything that gives you joy um, when you're when you're writing. So what you want to do is you want to you want to see what what can be tweaked, what can be changed, what can be added, what can be subtracted, what characters can be combined, uh, what scenarios you, you know would just slow down the pacing of the story. For me, originally, Excelsior, I only had an hour to work with originally, and I had to take something that took seven hours to listen to from start to finish when it was an audiobook. Yeah, I had to take that whole thing and condense it into one hour's one hour of story. Thankfully, as the rehearsals went on, they made the decision to have it done over two different Sundays and not one specific Sunday. So that opens things up to me doing the show for two hours. So I still I was given another hour, but it was still only two hours that I had to take this large pretty fairly large story and condense it down like this <clears throat> and there was also you know there was also quite a bit of visual elements to that uh, to that original book so i had to i had to tweak it so that way so that way the you had just the audio to work with and you had to you have to make your adjustments in the dialogue for when for when certain things happen that you can properly convey them to your listeners. And so it was a really fun challenge. But at the end of the day, it was still a challenge. And yep. it's one of those things that I'm incredibly proud of. I think everyone involved with uh, with that with that audio drama was just phenomenal. And we had we had a great cast. We had 25 different actors from all around the world, all of us congregating on the clubhouse app. That's where we all got to do it. And we had sound effects going at the same time. And we had a music score going at the same time. Like the whole thing was one big production and it was all strictly volunteer. No one got paid for it. So it was, it wound up becoming more than just an audio drama. It became a proof of concept. Yeah. And so I now have, that finished piece of audio that I can present to other people and say, look, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? They could literally, if they, if, if things worked out, they could literally animate over that audio and they wouldn't miss anything. Yeah. So there's a, like I said, everything is building towards something, but I don't know what it is yet. I just have to nod and smile and be prepared for anything that comes my way. That's cool, man. I like that you're like doing the work and preparation for it to come. Like a lot of people, uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yep. And so the opportunity to get your books on a big screen could come by and you hadn't prepared stuff like, um, you know, writing the books for one, yeah. like written the books. <clears throat> You've already transformed exactly. them into another form of media and you're doing the work to get them out there. And so if you hadn't done all that preparation, the opportunity could fly by you and you, you just wouldn't even know. Exactly. 
Yeah, exactly. And I like that's something that. that I I highly recommend, you know, like anyone do. Just like I was saying before, when it comes to adapting your work into a different medium, know the medium, know what it is you're doing. And I've seen way too many people that were just that were so hung up on every single word that they've done that they would say that uh, they want to be involved in um, if, if their book was was ever adapted, they want to be a producer. They want to be involved in the casting. They want to be involved in in getting yep. the screen, the screenplay done and make sure that every little bit of it that was in the book stays in the movie. That's not how it works. Yep. Everything is based on the book. It's not the book. We already have the book. And if people want the book, they can go and go to the bookstore and buy the book. Yep. You know, they're they're here to see that story told in a different medium. And once they kind of come around to that and it's like, whoa, how can I best serve that medium? Like one of my favorite, um, one of the things that, um, that I've seen a lot in terms of movie musicals, you'll see so many of the, so, so many different musicals that just went from the stage to screen with very little changed. And it almost feels like it's just just the only thing that's missing is the stage around the screen. Yeah. But you look at a, at a movie musical like Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd. That is that was a case of knowing exactly what your medium allows and pushing forward with it. So you have characters that are whispering their their words, the you know, the lyrics you have sweeping camera angles going all over the place and really opening things up like that's that's the that's the way to use that medium and yep. so and people will have their their opinions on what works and what doesn't but at the same time it's it's a great thing to be able to present a story in so many different types of media and it's a great opportunity and i recommend anyone try it yeah no, absolutely. I love it. Well, any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? We got do all of your creative outlets on a full-time basis and see your books on a big screen. Anything else you want to add there? Um, keeping the, keeping the podcast network going for, yeah. as, for as long as it can. I, I love working with, with people that are just kind of getting started in that, in that realm. Um, I've been able to not quite mentor, but assist one of our one of our podcasters and i'm watching her just explode now like all this you know like all of a sudden it just feels like she's in this really great rhythm and is able to deliver her knowledge her experience and put it in this format and she's really excelling at it i'm so proud of her yeah for the work that she does and I'm so proud of all the podcasters that are that have come aboard this network. Everyone is working really hard on their shows. No one is taking it lightly, and everyone's having fun. And at the end of the day, like that's that's what that's what we all want. We all want the opportunity to do what we love and have fun doing it. Yeah. So that's that to me. If I if there's like any sort of real vision, it's really that I want to do what I love. And I want to have fun doing it. And sometimes that's not always going to be there, but I believe that there's room for both. I love it. 
Alrighty. What are the top one to two skills that you need to develop to make these dreams and goals come true? Uh, well, the main thing that I personally need to develop is marketing skills because um, I love, I absolutely love doing all of these things. And it always, it, it always destroys me when I have to let people know about it because that's when the imposter syndrome really creeps up. And it's just like, you know, why do you keep on talking about this over and over and over again? No one's listening. You're not guilt. You're not going anywhere with this. You should just quit. And thankfully those voices are getting quieter these days, yeah. but it's uh, that in itself is just like, it's, it's a matter of getting, a better handle on the marketing and also really kind of really being accountable to myself when it comes to coming up with one idea after another and then implementing it right away and not sitting on it because because that's what winds up happening a lot of times I'll sit on it and then the time will finally come for me to be upstairs and in my office and shutting the door and everything. I'm sitting down at the computer. I'm ready to do what I need to do. And I'm all of a sudden. Yeah. And I'm ready for bed. You know, just like I'm, yeah. I am done. You know, because normally whenever, whenever this happens, it's around like 10 o'clock at night and everyone is just, everyone is winding down and I have this time to do it and everything. And I am just exhausted by the end of it. So that part of it, it's you know it's about finding finding the time to make this happen and when i have the time to make it happen actually going forward and making it happen um so it's time management and it's marketing those are those are my two my two little achilles heels what amount of marketing dollars per month do you think would take you to your dreams and goals i wish i knew I wish I knew because, um, because, you know, we're, you know, right now, like we're getting by, we're doing, we're doing well enough to, to get by with what we're doing, but I would need to bring in some more of the supplemental income for me to actually de devote some of that to a marketing budget. So that's, that's my, my thing that's going on right now. I'm telling you, man, you got to read buy then build. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a good little, cause the thing about money is, <clears throat> um, it's kind of fake in the sense that like, you know, like banks give out a bunch of debt mm -hmm. and they kind of create money out of thin air. And so it's very real in our daily lives when we take it on a personal level, but from a, like international level you know you have the u.s government printing a lot of money they can create three trillion dollars and then like in the form of debt and all this stuff yeah and so it really comes from like relationships like when you think about trade at its foundation you know it's money is a thing to exchange currency agreed mm -hmm. upon value yeah to exchange products and services and so back in the day, it was just product for product or service for service, not necessarily service for money to then exchange that money for another service. And so if you could think of a strategic partnership that could basically bring in those marketing dollars 
and they have enough incentive to keep giving you those marketing dollars, it's a way you could get that money faster without having to trade more time for it. Yeah. And so that's yeah, why every, everyone wants, everyone wants that good passive income, you know, mm -hmm. like the, you know, to be able to create something like a, you know, like a, a webinar or, you know, like, or, you know, a, a lesson plan or something yep. that will grab enough attention that it creates mailbox money. So that way you like, as soon as you get home, you know, there's money there waiting for you. So yep. um, yeah, everyone, everyone wants that. That's, you know, you know, that's the dream right there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just, I, it just gets me. It gets me because we're not taught about this when we're younger. And I felt like yeah. if we were taught about it when we were like six, we would have better ideas by the time we're, you know, 24, my age, it's right. like, you might be taking better action or having better ideas as opposed to having to unlearn and then relearn. Mm -hmm. so, anyway. Yeah. Off my soapbox. <laughs> um, what are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards your dreams and goals? Um, the daily ones, it's basically just like, it's, you know, just constantly be producing. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, the more the more I feel that I am producing something at least once a day, then the more momentum I will get because the more excited I'll be that I'm actually moving forward with things. Um, it's during times when I am not getting in the studio, that's when that's when the the that's that's when it feels like a burden. But it's not a burden and it shouldn't have to feel that way. So it's, it's one of those things where just like, it's, it's a matter of just getting in into getting into the studio, sitting down at your computer, whatever the case, and just doing something, do something to move that needle forward. And the more you do it, the more you can stick to it, the more it can be a, a thing for you, then it's just gonna, it's, it's going to create its own reward. Yeah. One of the things that uh, that I deal with right now is always having is always trying to find the time to sit down with my guests to do their interview. And there have been times, a lot of times where I would be at their mercy. But what I've done recently in order to free up my Saturdays and Sundays so I can actually be present for my loved ones is I commit the first weekend, the weekend before the first Tuesday of the month, that's the way I should say it. The weekend before the first Tuesday of the month, that is when I get all of my interviews done for that month. Yeah. So it'll be three interviews, sometimes four, sometimes even five, whatever it winds up being. And that is, that's what I'm able to do because once they're recorded, the hard part's over. Then it's a matter of going in, editing it, making it sound better than it was and putting in the intro, the outro, getting the notes ready, all that stuff, you know, like I can knock that out on, on a Monday night. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've been doing. But the, the hardest part is doing the actual interview. And that's where um, that that's, you know, that's that in itself has like been, has been great because um, by saying that I'm only available for this period of time, it's making things a whole lot more streamlined and it's allowing me the extra time to be with my family. Yeah. So 
that in itself is a win right there. There we go. There we go. I love it. Yeah. Constantly be producing. Yep. And that's something that um that I was I was um I'll never forget this. Back in 99 or 2000, um that's when I met Bruce Campbell. For um and he had his book If Chins Could Kill Confessions of a B Movie Star and I not only bought the book but I got to you know got to read it and everything and and really enjoyed it and went to a Barnes and Noble in New York City where I got to meet him and he was he was terrific and I told him that at that time my friends and I were doing our little sketch comedy things we were having some ideas for some the 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 type of material we were producing was a little surreal. It was a little out there, but it was fun, and it was it was great to be like constantly making something with my friends. And we were talking about doing uh doing a doing uh a almost like a sketch comedy movie similar to like the Kentucky Fried movie or Amazon Women on the Moon. You know, one of those types of types of yep. films, and just something to have a lot of fun doing. And he was talking in his book about how he wound up meeting Norman Lear and wound up like, were, you know, um, cultivating like a little uh, bit of a friendship there. And so I was saying to, I was asking Bruce, not if he could be like a producer or anything like that for us, but um, basically saying that, you know, like uh, offering some advice for, similar filmmakers that were getting started that had a direction, but weren't quite sure exactly where to take everything. And he signed his copy, signed my copy. And he wrote underneath that saying, become a producer. And it's basically just saying, don't wait for someone else to invest in you, invest in yourself. And if it's not money, it's time. It's putting in the work to create something and then and then worry about getting it out there once you have something that you can take to the next level. And so that's something that I've held on to for all my life since then. And it's something that I will truly be grateful to Bruce for saying because I've said that you know many times over to other people. And I've said, you know, um, we're living in a time right now where we have so much amazing technology at our fingertips and we have the means to get ourselves out there on various platforms that we never would have thought possible. That's where we are right now. So what are you going to do with these tools that are given to us? They're not, you know, they're not tools that we have to buy, um, you know, with the exception of our phones or whatever, or our computers to get things started. But the software that we use, the applications that we use, all the, the different things, the digital audio workstation, like it's all there. There is no reason why we can't go forward and just go for what we want, you know, like uh, when it comes to getting our stories out there. And so that's, that's something that I will always be grateful to Bruce for. And I'm glad that I've been able to take that and run with it. I love it. I gotcha. All right, we're going to wrap up with this question. 
if there were one or two people you could meet right now, this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals. Who would they be, and how would they Ooh. help you? Ooh, okay. Um, well, the big, you know, like um, we we all have our big like pie in the sky kind of kind of dream. Um, you always think that, you know, like, well, this is going to lead to this and then this is going to lead to this and this is going to lead to this and so on and so on. But then that's going to happen. And that's going to be, it's going to be Mario catching the star and all of a sudden just speeding through the rest of the board. And so what I see that, you know, like that person would, um, for me is Lorenzo de Bonaventura. And he is, he is a producer behind the Transformers live action films. And the main reason why I specifically pick him is because he, because um, after seeing um, the film Bumblebee and after seeing The Last Night, the fifth of the live action films, um, I figured out, I came up with my own storyline for what would be a worthy sequel that would bring in Bumblebee and now Rise of the Beasts with that continuity mixed in with the Michael Bay continuity from the first five films, almost like a Days of Future Past kind of story. And that story, I was actually, I actually wound up pitching it to my agent and she said that, you know, like, well, um, obviously, you know, like we don't have the sort of clout to say, you know, we'd like a meeting with Mr. DePonaventura. Um, and if we were to just, if I were to just write the screenplay, that would come off as fan fiction. So she said, you know, like put it out in outline form and write up a scene and, and we'll see where it goes. And that's all written up. And so if by some chance, you know, that opportunity would happen and I'd be able to speak with them, that would be huge. Um, and of course, you know, like, uh, you know, sharing, uh, sharing sharing a lunch with Bruce Campbell and getting to basically kind of pick his brain a little bit more um, based on how I've been able to kind of hold on to the advice that he already gave me um, would would be amazing. And um, and then another person as uh, as as a third party in all of this would be Gilbert Adler. Gilbert Adler was the producer of the Tales from the Crypt series. And he's also been a producer on a lot of other films, Superman Returns, Valkyrie, um, Ghost Ship was uh, the writer and director of Bordello of Blood um, and has has quite a few credits to his name. Um, it was a true honor to be able to interview him on my podcast mm. and to have the time to be able to sit down and everything with him for, I think we talked for over an hour. Yeah. Um, and it, in itself like that was that was an amazing accomplishment being able to sit down with him and he'd be someone that i would love to uh to speak with more in the future i gotcha i gotcha there we go yeah awesome george thanks so much for coming on the show man that's all we got for you yeah thank you thank you very much for having me here i appreciate it uh, of course and where should people contact you if they want to hear more learn more um if they if uh, they want to uh, learn more, they can definitely find me. I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, used to be on Twitter, but not anymore. Um, but uh, you can also find me on TikTok. 
It's all under the same uh, the same handle at George Soroy, S-I-R-O-I-S. And you can also find me on my website, which is he's got it.com, as in by George He's Got It, which is the name of my my own uh, audio business. And um, if you care to listen to the different podcasts and see what we have in store for you, uh, then go to once upon a podcast network.com. There we go. Awesome. George, thank you for coming on, guys. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to this and you loved what George had to say, make sure to check him out at one of those links. All of them will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Hey there. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition. Live a purposeful life. See you tomorrow for another show.